0: Welcome everybody, and I'm really excited to be part of this digital fireside because sustainability has been part of my journey for a really long time, both personally and professionally. So I think you all know they, they can't possibly need introducing, but let's introduce them all the same, Michelle Carville and Gemma Butler, um, who together um wrote sustainable marketing, which is becoming a bit of a handbook, I think, for business. Um, Michelle and I were talking the other day. Um uh the a broader definition of marketing, and definitely not the one P of marketing, yeah. um, which sometimes is uh, is how we marketers get viewed, isn't it? We're all about promotion, and uh, and people think it's just about changing. I don't know for um, recycled paper in your in your mailings or whatever it is you might be doing. I'm showing my age now, aren't I? Um, so um, really, what we want to explore with Michelle and Gemma um, this afternoon is uh, the journey they've been on. Um, and especially, I think the last twelve months, or a year or so, since you published the same marketing, because I think you've both had a, a lot of a lot of things happen to drive you to make to create that book. But I think interestingly as well, what else has been happening since then? The impact it's had, the the doors it's opened for different conversations, and what you've been learning. So um, why don't we just you know kick off there, um, uh, Michelle? Why don't I start with you? just um give us a just briefly tell us what drove you you and Gemma together to come together and write the book but then you know where it where it's been taking you in the last year
1: for sure so um very potted history. Gemma and I had uh, met through the Chartered Institute of Marketing. Gemma was the marketing director there. I've been a fellow there for many, many years. And um, and I suppose whenever I met Gemma and another colleague of ours, uh, garrant we would often have a good old moan about the role of marketing. And uh, Gemma and I actually went to the House of was it the House of Commons or the House of Law? The House of Commons it must have been to debate the role of marketing and how marketing had had kind of lost. Lost its way and was, as you said, Caroline, seen as this one P of marketing. And we were like, no, you know, it's got to get back to strategy and 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 brand and values and purpose and you know all that juicy good stuff uh, that marketing impacts and 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 can't operate really without being across all of those things. And so um that was really a frustration. And and Gemma and I would often meet, have a couple of cocktails and a bit of a moan in the pub. And um, and we decided that actually we should probably stop moaning and start thinking about putting something together about how we felt and where the profession was going, and also the the huge responsibility that the profession had uh, with regards to the role that it plays strategically around responsible consumption and responsible um, marketing. And that was really, that led us to write sustainable marketing, how to drive profits with purpose, and of course, in the writing and the researching of all of that, that kind of open our eyes to a whole other level around areas that we didn't really fully know or fully hadn't really explored around sustainability. And, and it opened our eyes to things like, you know, we'd heard of the UN SDGs, but what was this framework and what how was this operating? And then, of course, we researched deeply into things like plastics and waste and uh, all sorts of different areas uh, around sustainability. And, and then we were kind of like, oh, goodness, you know, marketing marketing's really not behaving in that responsible way right now. So what can we do to help? And that led us into where we are, I suppose, right now, which was uh, this idea that marketers, if we didn't know about this stuff, and we've been in the profession, you know, 30 years or so, uh, and thinking we're pretty responsible, then... then Others are unlikely to know this stuff. And as marketers, we can get a little bit siloed sometimes. We can get a bit pushed into the P side. And so we wanted to kind of focus on driving what sustainable marketing is, getting marketing back to being what marketing should all be about, but also with a hugely responsible lens. And that meant that where we had to start with, with education. So Gemma and I both went back to educating ourselves um, formally, informally, and Becoming carbon literate uh, and doing developing carbon literacy training. Um, Gemma championed carbon. Um, literacy within sim and also developed a professional qualification within sim so we all work together uh, to kind of support how that could be and and so now Gemma and I are in a position where we are focused on the continuation of that education and awareness to marketers we we set up a manifesto uh, we're very much flying the plane as we're building it you know uh, and we are just doing um, as much as we can do to drive in around education and awareness. And we just formally formalized our podcast, what started off as our podcast and then our website that kept growing with our learning zone and various other bits and pieces uh, to become a limited company. So Can Marketing Save the Planet? Is now a formal limited company, and Gemma and I in 2023 are, have got lots of plans about how we now just extend that and continue the work that we've that we've kind of fallen into that feels right and, um, and and that we're finding is so necessary. I mean, we just received fantastic messages and we've met the most fabulous groups of people, and um and it just feels like good work.
0: Fantastic, um, Gemma. Can I pick up a bit with you on um, that education um, aspect of that and SIM? I mean, all marketers, you know, know about SIM, but um, uh, this feels quite groundbreaking. What you've developed with SIM uh, around sustainable marketing?
2: Yeah, it wasn't really on on CIM. You know, CIM has a really broad remit. You know, from digital to brand to 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 SEO all the way through to email you know really across the top and then all the verticals and um, so when I started talking about sustainable marketing and sustainable transformation people didn't initially pick it up as as something that sits as an an umbrella across the whole of the marketing profession so I did talk about it to the point where um, they got so bored of me they let me just start doing what I wanted to do really Um, and Suddenly, through all the conversations that, that I was having, and and the interest, because we we CIM partnered with a partners with 130 universities in the UK. The universities started talking to me. Um, I started guest lecturing at some of them on sustainable marketing, and then it was suddenly a, a, a peak their interest, and um, it was with that, and just simply not stopping. That um, I championed, as Michelle said, the development of the first regulated qualification in sustainable marketing. Uh, Michelle developed courses for their open training. We made our content a massive focus for sustainable marketing, and we even held a sustainability summit um, just before I left. So now it sits really as, a, as an umbrella for everything because you know it does sit. You know, sustainability and brand go hand in hand. It goes in hand in hand in terms of. Uh, what you do with your websites, what you do with with your channels, greening your channels. And, and you know, even marketing as a function has a carbon footprint associated with it. So what you do as as your as a marketer, ultimately you can can you can have some level of control on, on your own carbon footprint. So it, it suddenly became sustainable transformation. CIM was leading the charge there and was one of the only voices leading the charge. And I think that's really grown out in the last year.
0: And I'm interested because I'm, I'm I have others as well because um it seems to me there is that there is this it's a both and it's how marketers do what they do more sustainably and it's um how marketers use their position which is a very which is a very privileged position really, isn't it? As marketers, we we look inside the organization and we you know we understand you know we understand the part of the strategy and um, the voice of the the employees and all of that, but we're very much the voice of the customer and perhaps the voice of the partners, the voice of the marketplace. Um, so really well placed to drive business wide strategic transformation. That some people would say, oh, that's not marketing. Yeah. I, I would personally would say it absolutely is. And and like you, Gemma, I I, I the reason I got involved with sustainability back in IBM way back in two thousand seven eight was because I would not stop going on about it. And eventually they just sort of said, well, go and, you know, okay, go over there and figure it out. Yeah. You're going think about it. Um, because it just it seemed like a miss, something missing, you know. Um, <clears throat> but how's the balance between those two things are you finding when you, you know, with the people you talk to, the the people that you lecture to, between that, how do we make our marketing more sustainable and how do we make our business more sustainable?
1: I mean, they're kind of inextricably linked aren't they um realistically but i don't think everybody thinks of it that way and 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 so i suppose and, and again this was why we came back to writing the book and and the work that we're doing is it's really to help organizations understand the opportunity that this brings to them to kind of get everybody on the same page and to understand the opportunity that works across the whole value chain of the organization when it comes to sustainability. And, And as we said right at the outset, you know, marketing is really well positioned for that because, as you say, on the inside piece. We have to understand brand, values, purpose, the products, the services, the culture of the organisation. You know, we may also be the bodies uh, aligned with internal communications. You know, we should definitely be speaking to internal communications if that's separated out. Again, depending on different sizes and structures of how things are operationally managed. But then on the outside of of the organisation, we are the custodians of brands. We are the people sharing the inside of that business to the outside, sharing those values, sharing those, um, you know, the the purpose, the the products, the services. But at the same time, on the outside, we're having to listen to what's going on on the outside and understand the changing needs of the audiences and the stakeholders that we serve, the changing needs of that landscape and how that business landscape we're operating in has shifted and and also See what our competitors are up to, see what the opportunities are and and look at the innovations and the changes and the shifts and then bring those insights back into the business for strategic steer. And, and even if it isn't being driven strategically, you know, at that point, which, you know, I, we see, we hear all the time that sustainability is the, you know, number one driver now on most boards, et cetera, et cetera. It's still for the marketers to be when they are presenting, when they are thinking about what it is they're doing with their activities to kind of ask that question about, well, Is that product, you know, what are we doing with the end of life of that product? What are we doing with helping our audiences to become part of the circularity of that product? You know, once marketers understand the changing landscape, the opportunity and they're educated, aware about sustainability and the opportunities that brings around reducing waste, around circularity, around product innovation, around getting customers on board and employees on board to to be part of the sustainability solution, then it starts to help the marketer to ask a, a different set of questions and to start to really be that connective tissue across the value chain that is that is just not just educating but also asking those questions and and in some cases maybe challenging the organization where it isn't thinking more broadly and more innovatively about the opportunities that that sustainability can bring so so I think that there is a tension because I don't know how many marketers feel really comfortable with all of that because I certainly wouldn't have done five years ago before I started learning about this space I would have felt very out of my depth to be challenging anything about oh what's the circularity of that product how do we bring our audiences Mm -hmm. into that but this is where the education and awareness is so critical because that business landscape is shifting there are things that marketers need to understand about how that is shifting and that opportunity the, of learning all of that actually creates more opportunity for the marketers to be better marketers, to to be driving that more internally and to be working across the value chain to support the shift, to support the changes, to build the business cases, to support the innovations, um, and and be that be that kind of conduit that that works across. So, uh, I think that. There is still probably tension at the moment between and maybe a bit of a gap. But that's the that's what we need to do as marketers. Once we're educated and aware, we are the perfect people to actually go and do this. So it's just about getting educated.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, How receptive have you found people? Um, I mean, is it the normal spectrum? Is it the old bell curve? I think the people have once we start talking to people, they
2: they've been really receptive, and and in fact, some people have have written to us and said that you know they were at the point of wanting to leave the profession because as they sort of started to become more aware of the impacts of of the role that they do as part of you know the environmental crisis and waste and all of that, then they they were thinking that you know they don't want to be part of that machine anymore, so. But then having a look at what they can do if they use their powers for good, as we say, and use their skills and try and build those business cases for change, actually, it's given them almost a new lease of life in terms of wanting to stay in the profession and and change from from the inside, you know, change the organization, how it thinks and and be a real enabler of progress. Because I guess with the role we do, we're either going to speed progress up or we're going to slow it right down, aren't we? And we have that choice to make. So. Um, yeah, people have been really, really receptive in terms of all of the people that we've spoken to. People there have been people that are completely in denial. They're naysayers, you know. They they don't they don't want to know, um, and that's a really hard conversation to have because you don't want to get on. I I certainly struggle. I don't want to get on my activism, <laughs> you, know, you know, bandstand and start you know shouting stuff at them and and stuff like that. But it's it's how you have those the right conversations, and I think like anything. Uh, when you're communicating, you have to change how you talk to people and the stories you tell uh, to get them really to 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 come in and, and understand and want to understand that we need to drive those changes. So it's been a mix, but on the whole, hugely positive and actually wanting to know more and more and more, which is is incre- is incredibly rewarding when when we know that there's people out there that are getting real value out of what we've been doing for the last uh, three years.
0: I mean, that's fantastic. I'm really interested in your point on people who were feeling marketing might not be the right career choice for them going forward because consumerism and, and all of that. But actually working with you guys, it's enabled them to mm-hmm. kind of go back with a fresh approach because probably they're the ones best placed to drive change at that point, aren't they? Because they'll be, you know, if they're successful within their organisations, they'll be trusted and yeah. um, it's not some, there's not some new person coming in full of activism and, you know, trying to sell everything. It's actually... I can see how that how that plays out. Um uh, I was I'm also really interested what's what things have surprised you as you've gone as you've gone on this journey of um, you know engaging with all these other organizations. Surprises, good ones, bad ones?
1: Good, um, I suppose good surprises is that where we are, where we are, I don't think we thought we would be doing this, and that is a good positive surprise. Um, and the surprise of of how um I suppose generous and supportive. The whole sustainability, um, environment network seem to be. You know, there really is this sense of everybody pulling together, and that's that's really unusual and very joyful, um, and makes life a lot easier. Um, on the bad surprises, I suppose. You know, I, I I've done quite a lot of talks uh, and into large groups of organizations uh, and sectors, organizations. And I suppose on the bad surprise is is that I'm surprised that sometimes we're operating in this bubble or we feel like we're operating in this bubble. And when you step out of that bubble, you realize that businesses have very clear priorities and that sustainability isn't one of them. And um and and yet, you know, it's difficult to, to kind of once you are educated and aware and you're looking at the IPCC reports and you're looking at the urgency and you're looking at these timeframes and you're thinking about the, the limits that we've got, the boundaries that, of decarbonization, you know, it's almost like ignorance is bliss because it, it surprises me that businesses aren't pivoting kind of doing a 360 about where they are right now given what we know about what is potentially coming if we do not make the changes that we need to change and i think that that for me the urgency just doesn't seem to be there and that surprises me given the science given the facts given the data um and i understand it i understand it from a business perspective you know it's not easy to do none of this is easy but i just feel that Sometimes I do feel like that pr- Professor Mindy, you know, in "Don't Look Up," where I do feel that I am getting slightly hysterical that that nobody's that nobody is actually taking this as seriously as as they need to be doing. And I appreciate it's a journey, and I understand we've got to do things, but but at the same time, you know, I'm t- training in carbon literacy, and I'm thinking, well, if this science is correct, we really need to be speeding up these transitions. Um, and, and it, it does seem that the science is correct. And so that surprises me that more uh, leadership isn't being urgent around just how urgent this is. And that goes for governments around the world. That goes for huge organisations. Um, uh, and and as Gemma said, you know, the naysayers that just say, you, you know, you see it all the time on Twitter. I have to kind of, you know, close my eyes sometimes. But, but um, so, yeah, that's one of my surprises. I echo the, the sort of the bad
2: surprise being that, you know, the, certainly with climate change, this is not a new conversation. It's, it's not a new problem that's just happened, you know. And the fact that, you know, for the probably the last 20, 30 years, you know, greenhouse gas emissions has been a subject of discussion. Businesses and, and overdeveloped countries have, have known about it, yet we have 40% higher emissions now than we did in 1990. It's almost like, we heard that there was a problem. We've we've just ignored it and accelerated, you know, and just gone gun ho for it. And I think there are some big corporates out there who should be so much further ahead than they are, and they should have been leading this change, you know, and 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 taking up the opportunity probably a decade ago. Um, but it's it's almost like that that was too difficult. It's easier just to keep going. So I'm, I'm quite disappointed, you know, in in that. I think good surprises for me. Is um, my knowledge of social impact companies and the rise of social impact companies and the the absolutely amazing work they do. You know the Too Good to Go's, the Tony's Chocolonies, the Who Gives a Crap, so you know packed coffee. I think they they they're doing stuff that is you know is is delivering good outside all the markets they operate in, and and I think that they've given me a real a real hope that we can, you know, change the course we're on. And I think they're some of the most exciting companies for Gen Zs and millennials to go and work for. And I absolutely, you know, if I, if I ever went back into working for somebody, I think I would absolutely go for a social impact company because that feeling that they give you, that you're doing good Mm -hmm. every day is, you know, you can't really replace that right now. Uh,
0: Well, yes, so, so very true. And it is, the lack of urgency is extraordinary, but I feel we see it across so many facets of human life that unless the thing is actually causing us, and yeah. I mean us as individuals, pain today, yeah. um, we're really, really quite bad about dealing with it, aren't we? Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and then you scale, scale that up to a business or a, or a nation state or whatever, um, and it does feel like a lack of belief that it is existential. Yeah, um, this crisis, and uh, you know, and and part of the problem maybe is the language. We've for too long we've allowed people to talk about saving the planet, and actually the planet's just fine. Oh, the planet will be absolutely. Brave. It's, not it's the the human. the human race is in <laughs> yeah. jeopardy. You know. yeah. Um, So yeah, it, 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 that is uh, that is a challenge. So for all of us, so we're all here because pro- probably we're all believers anyway. But um, what are some other things that you've seen? And that you write about, or that you, you explored in your podcasts, um, that are that are that are really great ways of, of organisations and marketers getting getting onto that front foot and, and enabling themselves to be heard um, to drive the kind of change that we're we're looking for.
1: I've got a couple of experiences from from, uh, organisations I've been working with on the carbon literacy training. Mm. And and it's really, there was one uh, organisation who are a global wellbeing, they have wellbeing centres around the world. And um, their um, CMO came on the carbon literacy training uh, so that he could test it out to see what it was going to be like for the rest of his team, really. And um, and that was, he was almost doing the recce for, for the training. And and then he came back on another training, a different uh, course, because he said, "Oh, it was really useful." And I didn't know any of this stuff, and 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 now I really feel ignited to to learn more. And when he was on the second training, uh, I was talking about some of the examples of, of things, and he said, "Oh, Michelle, I can give you a great example." You know, following the carbon literacy, I you know, it there was some really quick wins that I thought, "Oh, we can we can make these changes." So we we changed our menus in our restaurants and he said you know we fill, we feed over a million people and he said you know so this is sizable impact and he said so I put the business case to say look look you know because we're decarbonizing let's look at having more plant-based menus and changing the balance between plants and meat let's just shift the the percentages from 80-20 to 50-50 and I can't remember the exact calculations mm. but you know he's going to send it all to me as a case study but um but he shifted it and he said you know what was incredible was that we ran the calculations then and of course we could see the impact that we were making on the decarbonization which was significant the other byproduct of that was the cost savings. He said, we didn't understand, we didn't realize that, of course, this was saving us a whole load of money. He said, and it was in that meeting when I was feeding that bit back that the rest of the C-suite, you know, pricked their ears up and said, whoa, hang on a minute, what's going on this? You know, what more could we be doing? And And I think that comes back to maybe another surprise, Caroline, is that there is a huge opportunity for businesses here with regards to driving more sustainable business, not only for the survival of that business, you know, and and also this, this support to the people and the planet, you know, that we talk about, but even if you were to just look at the commercial strength of your business moving forward, what are they, where are they looking ahead to strategically when they're thinking about the finance you know the financial aspects if they are not thinking about the sustainable aspects of that business commercially you know business will not be commercially viable in it in the way that it's operating so they have to be rethinking some of these areas Mm. and of course there are enormous benefits in doing so And, and so for me I just thought, wow, that's just a tight what seemed like just a, a simple shift, but actually had really positive impact on the carbon, really positive impact on the byproduct of the well-being side, because of all the associated benefits of, of, of having a more plant-based diet. Um, and of course, the cost savings to the business. So, you know, I keep seeing, and I know Paul's written extensively about it in, in, in his wonderful book. Um, the, this idea that you know, and Gemma and I research this heavily and we we mention it in our book, this idea that good business is 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 good for business. You know, commercially, this isn't a hardship. You know, this is actually strengthening those businesses and all those social mm-hmm. impact, you know, organizations that Gemma and I have met, that we've interviewed, that we've talked to, that we've researched. They don't even think about doing marketing. Their marketing is everybody just loves what they do and talks about it. So, you know, it's it's really interesting that these businesses are almost their successes itself um, perpetuated because they are good businesses doing good business.
0: It's a it's a wonderful thing, Michelle i mean everything you just said pretty much just defines a sustainable business sustainable as in here for the long term yeah healthy yeah, for the future yeah um and you know uh, people think about it narrowly in, in in terms of environment but you know um society and and, and profit are you know they're not out of the equation that no we can we can, um, we can be ambidextrous we can do it all <laughs> yeah and i think that's what's opened up you know just this
2: journey has as me made me excited about Mm. marketing again because suddenly it's gone from you know it's it's not all about digital it's not all about you know selling as much as you can as quickly as you can and and not thinking and you know down in, in any wider lens and again you know these social impact companies they've brought back you know word of mouth they've brought back Trust they've bought back, you know, uh, reviews and, and 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 social marketing and cause marketing and all the really exciting stuff that you kind of learn about on your journey. But we've all been thrown down this digital void, haven't we? That <laughs> that's all you do. And I think this is, you know, where people are having conversations. And and Caroline, you mentioned the language we used. And Mm. they use use language in such a brilliant way because they bring everyone on a journey with them and make them part of the solution. So you feel like you're delivering good, you know, you feel like you're doing. So when we interviewed Seth Godin, he talked about status and how we need to start, you know, Making status and feeling good something that people really value again, as opposed to owning things. Yeah. And I think you know the whole marketing profession, as people, as we talk to people, and as people talk back to us around how they feel now, is sustainability is actually making marketing exciting again, in my view, um, yeah. and opening up all those other facets for us to explore. Which is, it's you know, I think it's one of the best times. You know, innovation and and circularity, you know thinking about how you wrap a service around something and and, and retain your customers yeah. long-term as opposed to short-term one-off transactions where you don't ever hear from them again and you don't know, you know, what they did or even if they liked your product.
0: It's yeah. so interesting, isn't it? Because that has got harder and harder and less and less profitable. Yeah. And, and mm. yet too many organizations still, you know, trapped in that dynamic yeah. um, and trapped in that paradigm. And, and in fact, what they, you know, if they were, if you're going to be, if you're going to be marketing centric, you're going to be customer centric, aren't you? Yes, marketing centric. And if you think about the customer, you really understand what they want, and what they, what they want isn't a new thing. Yeah. What they want is an experience, a feeling, um, uh, some well-being, whatever it might say. It's an outcome that they're after, That's not right. a, not a thing that they buy. And yeah. it may be that buying a thing gets you there, and it may be that doing something else gets you there. And as marketers, we can help them plot that path. Yeah, we can storytell to show them those paths, can't we? We can. um, give them examples of other people who've who got what it is they're looking for. Yeah, um, and it is yeah, it is interesting. We sort of trapped ourselves in the world of I don't know. Probably this is a bad thing to say, but the world of effies. You know, marketing yeah. effectiveness. You know, yeah. pipeline yield. You know, yeah. is it better this week yeah. than last week? And yeah, blah. blah, blah. And these things yeah. are sort of important. Yeah, but we're kind of missing the point if we're not really out there understanding exactly what it is the customer is is seeking. Exactly.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah.
2: And share that, that, that return of the sharing economy, you know, yeah, you know, Nana and I talk about, you know, Olio and and the fact that. it's so well done, but it's done not, you know, the marketing is well done. It's all word of mouth, the communities, the sharing, the building, uh, and it's more sustainable and it's better for planet. It's better for society and and all of those things. I think you know now we have an opportunity to, as marketers, to build communities and and talk to our communities as as just both that one-on-one faceless transaction over social media or or you know as as an online purchase where prices become prices become the default reason to buy something. I mean I can't think it's I often talk about it's like screwing the tops on toothpaste in a factory, isn't it? That's how it became where there was really nothing you didn't really think, did you? You just did. And there's there's nothing really exciting about just doing every day.
0: Commodity was never very sexy, was it?
1: No. And bringing your audiences with you. You know, this is this is the beautiful thing. I mean, Gemma mentioned Olio there. We interviewed Tessa Clark, their founder. We interviewed Jamie Crummy, And, you know, there is this sense of what they're creating is such a celebration when you participate in their service you yourself feel very validated as a human being for doing good as well. And they make that really clear. And the language they use, we particularly love, is like, you rescue food. I mean, who doesn't want to rescue this food that would ordinarily or rescue something that would... I mean, you're, you're becoming a little superhero, aren't you? You know, you're doing all these little good um, good deeds by, by doing that. So how do we as marketers excite our customers to be to be there and to feel those things that are way more meaningful and bring them on that sustainable journey with us and I think that's a really exciting question for marketers to be solving and to be asking themselves in a problem where that is missing to be to be solving
0: yeah yeah, absolutely and 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 in defining how it is that they satisfy those customers yeah and which could be really very very different to I've always been fascinated in this Robbie um uh Robbie used to talk about this a lot about you know why is it that um BA didn't become the the market leader in in virtual communication given that their business class travel yeah. was predominantly used yeah. by lots of people like us to get face-to-face meetings. Yeah. And you know, as that became less and less affordable, attractive, yeah, affordable for the planet, affordable for your budgets, whatever, whatever. How is it that they didn't, you know, didn't go there, didn't yeah. didn't didn't think, oh, I and mean, it is that ability to do that sort of lateral thing, isn't it? Yeah. Say, absolutely. There at my customers and 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 I understand them, I know so much about them. Yeah. I should find new ways of meeting their needs rather yeah. than just finding better faster fancier ways of doing the thing I've always done done um, and uh,
1: we interviewed Gustav Marta didn't we from um, the head of creative now at um, Greenpeace uh, Greenpeace Nordic and and he he talked about exactly that he did he did um was it with Swissair uh, that he did it, or Swedish Airlines um uh, uh, I can't remember the exact mm. uh, organization that he worked with and that's exactly what they did Caroline he said you know what are we really you're a you're a travel company it doesn't matter about flying you could get people there on train you could get people there via virtual zoom you know you are about connecting people and meeting Mm. people and they did they did he got them changing that business for a couple of years until the shareholders came in and said (laughs) oh it's not working quite as we want it to and we want these quarterly returns and so we're going to go back to what we were doing before. So, yeah. so you know, again, this comes back to that appetite and that strategic intention.
0: Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting about this is there's a very, there's clearly a very strong moral argument, uh, ethical argument for um being big businesses becoming more sustainable for themselves and for the rest of us. Um but there's also, and you've touched on this a few times already, there's also some really good classic business strategic reasons to want to do it you know good good business is good business kind of thing um how do you see the balance of that at the moment and and how do we get how do we enlighten more people more organizations to see the to see the benefit to them because you know we all know that people at the moment are more focused on they're more switched on switching off the lights if you see what I mean because electricity prices are so high and so that enlightened self-interest is 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 playing out um how do we get that more of that in business i think it's one of the most uh, sort of the questions
2: we've been asking on the podcast for the last for the last 18 months is how do you balance people planet and profit you know Mm -hmm. because the language i mean often when i when i was at cim it was always a case of oh but marketing needs to learn the language of finance to build the business case and by the time I left, I was like, actually, no, finance needs to understand the language of marketing so that they understand what's happening out there in the real world um, and not just what's on the spreadsheets, which always always went down well. Um, so I think, you know, it's it, we haven't got to that, actually got to that, um, to that actual answer yet, but we do often point people to the work that, you know, social impact companies are doing and the success they're having, but also the fact that given the change in, you know, the stakeholder... Chain and the fact that employees are now the most valuable members of the stakeholder chain. The, the, you know those generations coming through; they're the ones that are going to start. What well, you know, voting where they want to work, and I think that that this short-term view that businesses have is is gonna is gonna start to impact them in a negative way. If, or if people don't want to work for them, you know. So I think unless they start to see that bigger picture. And I guess it's like anything, isn't it, in terms of looking at the bigger picture and being more long term. Then I think uh, just by the very nature of the fact that organisations will find it hard to attract talent and retain talent will be a really, really um, big sort of signal that it's time to to rebalance that focus away from just profit. Um, But that gives me also some hope that stakeholder chain has changed.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, there is that piece around the stakeholders changing enforcement, regulation. I mean, pretty much everybody you speak to say, oh, regulation's coming, regulation's coming. You know, so it's almost like it, if you're not going to do it naturally, it will be enforced upon you. And so do you want to be a pace setter and get ahead of all of that? Or do you want to become a blockbuster? You know, I mean, it it, it is that where do you want to sit uh, with regards to this? And are you dragging your feet? We interviewed Philip Kotler, which was, you know, brilliant. And and one of the things he said is, there just aren't enough exemplars right now to raise the bar for everybody. He said, I'm sad to say it, but there just aren't. And that's where we need to get to. And those exemplars, we need to be absolutely cheerleading them and holding them up and showcasing just how brilliant they are. Um, and, And I suppose that we are in this transitional switch aren't we i mean it feels like everybody you talk to at the moment is talking about sustainability and again maybe you know Ooh. not in all circles but but it's definitely more even at that that organisation that event that I talked about sustainability was on the agenda hence why I was there so you know maybe 2 3 years ago they wouldn't have even had somebody coming to talk about it so they weren't nat- necessarily doing anything about it uh, but they were at least opening the conversation about it so um so I suppose things are just it feels like things are just starting to shift with that perspective so um, hopefully more exemplars will come so we don't just all talk about you know the handful that everybody <laughs> keeps pointing back to uh, and that that becomes business as usual.
0: Yeah I think one of the things that in, was interesting is, is, is it's when you start to get um, some of the uh, big mainstream um, you know so you talk about Tony's chocolate only um, mm-hmm. It's when you've got Nestle and yes. uh, you know uh, and everybody on that path yeah that's when that's when your exemplar start to, I think that's when you, they really start to scare the other guys because exactly. there's an element of small niche um some, yeah it's all very good and everything but they don't really scare them competitively perhaps yeah um and I know that we, we did an exchange I think it was more than a year ago Paul and Anna on modern slavery and um, yes. from Whitbread yep. you know and they're interesting that, Different, different issue, but similar, similar thing. Um, they're interesting because they're big and mainstream, yeah. and they're they're they are being quite open and saying we know we have this in our supply chain, and but we will only find it and get rid of it if we know that we, if we if we're honest and open enough to say it's there. And yeah, um, and I found them to be very refreshing because we know there are other companies out there who have a similar perspective, but are Absolutely terrified to admit to it, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know, as, as I say, it's a different it's a different angle, but it's a it's a similar challenge, isn't it? It's yes. um, like you know, getting getting that sort of tipping point of organisations who are willing to stick their heads above the parapet um, and and figure this out the investment
2: piece as well so reading yesterday that Lloyds and HSBC are now no longer going to invest in new fossil fuel projects is you know that that's a big piece of news you know yeah. given that they they were some of the the biggest investors and i think you know investment risk you know in in relation to climate change is, is starting to really really probably prick their conscience now and and that was super encouraging
0: yesterday so i think that that finally that financial
2: pressure is coming in
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is and 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 you know honestly, those are some of the really pivotal things that will happen, aren't they? That that will that will force organisations to exactly. scurry. And with your help, many marketers, you know, across industries, will already have their heads around this, so they'll be ready to capture that willingness to engage. Yeah. Um, which perhaps you know they're they're thoughts were falling on deaf ears before um before we open it up to everybody else I want to be really mean to you you two guys and um uh I want to do to you what you do to your podcast guests okay. um so three quick questions and guess what they are you'll know the questions so I bet you've got brilliant answers um so the first one is i have given a, the, a bit of our earlier conversation can marketing save the planet may I just rephrase that and say can marketing save humanity I think marketing um as, as is the answer that we've, we've collected
2: along the way and we believe ourselves. Um, yes, it, it's a massive enabler in, in speeding up progress um, and how we talk about things and communication and language we use. I think it plays a huge role, but it can't do it alone.
0: Absolutely, i mean into that. Michelle, anything to add on
1: that one? I, I mean, that is the answer we've heard. It's the answer that we kind of nod, uh, you know, along <laughs> to because uh, we fundamentally definitely believe that marketers are perfectly positioned to be a, a significant part of the solution. You know, we are part of the challenge. You know, we have this choice. Do we, We, you, you know, Wim Vermeulen recently on our latest podcast said yeah, every time we're doing anything, marketers need. To be asking themselves, is what I am putting out there, and um, is what I am planning, working towards a positive outcome, or or working towards the negative outcome? You know, and, and where do I sit? And so, yes, absolutely, marketing has that opportunity. If it's courageous as well, I would add in there. You know, this isn't just about being educated and aware. You may have to get a little bit uncomfortable um, and inconvenient. And, and and we've got to be courageous to do that. So, um, so that is, it, it doesn't mean aggressive. It doesn't mean off, you know, it doesn't mean any of those things. It just means having the courage to, to, to get uncomfortable and ask those uh, potentially yeah. incon- inconvenient questions.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I swear, I, I, you know, um, I, I drove a lot of people mad in IBM um, and managed to persuade a number of people to take some fairly significant risks but they paid off enormously. Yeah. They paid off enormously because it enabled us to engage with clients. I mean, being a big B2B obviously, but engage with clients in ways that we just hadn't before. We yes. suddenly had relationships in the C-suite that with the, the finest work we'd done. we would not managed to secure. So yeah. um, it was a really interesting lesson, more, um, more gut instinct than any uh, uh, expertise on my part. But anyway, it worked. Yeah. Um, okay, where do you hope, what do you hope business will look like 10 years from now? I'd like to see. I'd like business to be, uh, sounds strange, kinder.
2: And, you know, do more for for society because I think often... And we've spoken to a couple of our guests on, on the podcast who say, you know, actually, and I'm I'm all for collective action and for people to believe that they've got more power than they think they have. But, you know, for every pound we spend, we're choosing whether an organisation exists. We all think business holds the power because they've got all the money, but actually they don't. So I'd like businesses to actually look at themselves and go, Do you know what, we need to be kinder to the people that, that invest in us because actually they're way more important than we believe them to be.
0: yeah. yeah.
1: really agree with that and I uh, my mind really aligns with um Paul's work really and the question that he raised when we were at our little podcast um get together with all our podcast guests and uh, you know we've got some pretty big problems going on in the world and I would like businesses to be focused on those problems so that collectively we are working more collectively and that our business has got more meaningful outcomes. So business is way more meaningful. Purpose actually is doing what it says it's doing and um, and that we are solving bigger problems rather than just thinking about, you know, how we can fill our own pockets.
0: Yeah, I like that. And um, a piece of advice on how you get started. Educate yourself simple
1: yeah and to do that you can go over to our learning zone <laughs> it's not like a QPC <laughs> advert but you know what this learning zone I'm so proud of, the, of this little learning zone that we've put together which is really just cobbled together people are now telling us how we need to order it and and create it and do different things to it but you know we we've just thrown it up there because we want to get stuff done Um, Mm. but effectively what we're hearing is from a number of organizations now that have tasked their employees with doing the 100 points challenge so we've created a learning zone we put resources on there that we think are useful that we found useful that you know there's all sorts of different things on there from podcasts to reports to research items to books that all sorts of things that for sustainable marketing And, and and it only goes on there if we genuinely think it's useful. And then we've put little points. So five points for a podcast, 10 points for this, 25 points for a book. And organizations have um task their employees with doing the 100-point challenge. And what's wonderful to hear is that we're now getting the emails back from people saying, I did this, and now my husband, who's always been sceptical, is, I showed him this, and now he's on board and he spoke to his workmate. So all of a sudden you've got this almost little tendrils of, of, of wonderful communication and education People just, you, I mean, because once you know stuff you, in, in this area, it's really nice to talk Absolutely. about it and share it. Yeah. And so people are doing that. Which is really exciting. So I would say educate yourself. That starts with education. And you don't have to go to business school. You don't have to go and, you know, become a climate scientist. You don't have to. You you can literally just go and start learning. And once you start, you just will not want to stop because it's interesting and it's it's personal. You know, this is meaningful stuff. This is about Saving civilization and humanity, your family, your children, your nieces, your whatever. And and so it it feels like important work to do. And of course, it's all relevant to our industry. And so um, it's it's, why wouldn't we want to continuously keep learning? (music)